0: Last week, I shared with you as we began the series on hope that if you love the idea of the resurrection, if you love the idea of no more hungry children, if you love the idea of no more war, if you love the idea of no more divorce, no more pain and sorrow and suffering, if you love the idea of of a planet that's healed, if you love the idea of a government with no more corruption, then you love... The promise of the second coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And I built my message last Sunday, I pray with the guidance of the Holy Spirit, around that very thought, because of all the promises of hope in the Bible, only one hope is called the blessed hope, and it's the return of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the first advent or the first coming of Christ and the second advent or the return of Christ they're all tied together we live in that beautiful place in between where we still live in a fallen and a broken world but we experience the peace and the grace of God i thought about all of the things and the reasons that people have for hope in america we tend to think about hope in one of three ways one hope is wishful thinking Hope is the thinking that I hope it snows on Christmas Day. That's maybe what you hope, not what I hope, but that's the kind of wishful thinking we have, that it it snows on Christmas Day. Or maybe your thinking is that I get an end-of-the-year bonus or an end-of-the-year raise. You know how you get those bonuses when you've worked at your job, that I'll get that for Christmas. And then some people, as I've researched on different blogs by different thinkers and influencers, when they talk about hope, it's positivity. It's thinking positively. And there's a lot to be said for thinking positively. So much better than thinking negatively. But thinking positively is, has shown to improve our health. It's shown to improve our, our incomes. It's shown to improve what we do in life. But it's not the same as biblical hope. For positivity, though it's good... It does not even come close to equaling what the Bible says about hope. And then hope for some people is statistics. Like I, I hope that there's enough herd immunity or enough people have gotten the COVID virus that maybe we can finally take that cruise in the wintertime that we've been wanting to take without fearing being on a, on a ship out at sea where somebody might have COVID and we'd have a repeat of what happened on cruise ships last year in 2020. None of that is bad. Some of it's based in fantasy, but some of it is based in reality. But it's just not simply the way the Scripture defines hope. For a biblical definition of hope, what we hope for is built upon the character, the goodness, the love, the truthfulness, the honesty, the integrity. It's built upon the the character of God, His power, His might, His wisdom, His knowledge. He's all-powerful, He's all-knowing, and He's... All present, He's present everywhere. The hope that we have is built upon the character of God and the promises that He has made to us. The promises that there will be a world where there are no more hungry children. The promises that there will be a resurrection to life. I've had four funerals just recently, and the promise that those people who've died in faith will rise again, that they are now in the presence of the Lord. That those that I'm grieving and you're grieving, that they're in the presence of Jesus Christ at this very moment. For Paul says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Here's how Eugene Peterson, the translator of the message, defined hope. He said, hope is not about the future. Now listen, hope is not about the future. Hope is about the present. It obviously has to do with the future, but it's a virtue which is cultivated in the present and it fills the presence with energy. It connects the two comings of Jesus so that we now participate in them. We participate in what he did for us when he came to die for our sins, and we participate in the promised hope, the blessed hope of his return. We're not just remembering the one and believing in the other. We are participating in the continuity of those comings. There have been times at Christmas, and I shared this with the first service this morning, and we had a powerful service in that first service this morning. God did something in people's lives. But I, I remember one year sitting where Corey is sitting, and it had been a hectic Christmas service. It had been a hectic Christmas year. There was so much going on and so many events. and. I felt myself beginning to run down and get tired just a little bit. And I I remember thinking how many more Christmas... I've preached so many Christmas messages. What more can you say about the birth of our Lord and Savior than what I've said in the past? And what more can be done? And, And I remember as I was singing the song, suddenly it dawned on me, I was losing the wonder of Christmas. I was losing the wonder of the first Advent and the second Advent. And I found myself going home and praying, God... Don't ever let me lose my sense of wonder of Christmas. And my prayer this year is that God will help us each one to recapture and reclaim the wonder that is ours in Jesus Christ. Wonder and hope. It's a virtue. Now listen, is a virtue we have to cultivate in our lives. For me, I cultivate it as I'm journaling and as I'm praying. For me, I sometimes just take time and I'm just silent before the Lord and I think about his blessings. I think about his goodness and his answers to prayer and, and then I begin to write them out in my own hand and to write down what I'm thankful for and then when I go to prayer and I get on my knees and I pray then suddenly my, my heart is filled with wonder and praise because I've recounted like the psalmist has as I begin to pour my heart out to him. I lean into Philippians 1.6. It says, I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Underline in your Bibles later, I am certain. There's not a lot of things in this world that we can be certain about right now. We thought the Delta variant was it, but now the Omicron variant has come, and we have so many people with COVID, and there's still deaths. I have friends and parishioners in the hospital, people who called me last night and this morning who have COVID. As we continue the battle this thing, I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue It's a promise as I preached to you about hope for your family this morning. There's some things I want you to be certain. It's not wishful thinking. It's not statistical thinking. And it's not positive thinking. But it's based upon the character and the promises of God. As we think about the return of the Lord, Peter tells us, and I referred to this passage last week when we talked about the the new earth, the new heavens and the new earth, the renovation You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed it's coming. In other words, don't sell everything you have and try and go run and hide somewhere. Don't stockpile food and stockpile weapons as though you can protect yourself. Imagine with me for just a moment. Imagine for me that you're a Christian Living in that first century church, as I've had so many Christians tell me, oh, I wish I could have been a part of the early church. And Titus comes marching into Jerusalem, and the temple is burned, and homes are ransacked, and Christians and Jews alike are are punished and tortured. Imagine that you live when the Visigoths are invading Europe. Imagine that you lived at a time when Hitler was burning churches and pulling down crosses and and, 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 and putting people in prison during World War II. I could go on and on with these illustrations through history. There have been times much worse. Imagine that you lived during the time of the Black Death or the plague. And yet the church lived with hope and God always brings them through. Imagine, if you will, if you've never read about the suffering of the early church, excuse me, of the church in China under Mao Tse-Sing. If you've never imagined how children were turned against their Christian parents, how children were incited to beat their parents to death, all in the cause of communist China, of the torturing of Christians. You see, there have been darker times than what we're living in right now. And if we're not careful We think that somehow or another we can run and flee, but Peter calls us, the Bible calls us to live holy and godly lives. Remember, holiness is something beautiful. It's the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness of God. It's not the negative things that people try to make it. It's the very glory of God manifested in our lives. And Peter says, this is how you should live. Continue to live loving lives. Continue to live godly lives. Continue to live patient lives. Continue to live generous lives that's how we're called to live in holiness. That's what real end-time living is all about. I want to take you now to a passage of Scripture before I give you five brief principles that I think you can live with hope for your family. Paul is writing to the church. It's left for us as the Word of God, but there's some principles here that you and I can build upon during this time. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. And Can I just say this without sounding maudlin, I pray. Every time I think of this congregation, this church, our community, I give God thanks. I give God thanks for you, for your partnership, your participation in the gospel. I give God thanks for the kind of community that we're in that has welcomed our participation in the schools and in the business sectors and, and the political sectors, has welcomed the participation and the influence of our church. I give God thanks as a hospital called me around a crowd of people and says, Pastor Clanton, come on in. We need you here in the hospital today. And to be able to go in and to pray with those that were sick and to bring counsel, I give God thanks. Don't ever, ever, ever take for granted not only the church that we have but the community that God has planted us in. So every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my prayer request for you with joy, for you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. And I'm certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So it is right. It is right. Say that with me. It is right that I should feel as I do about all of you. For you have a special place in my heart. You share with me both the special favor of God or the grace of God, both in my imprisonment and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding, for I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. You see, friends, hope is a gift. Hope is God's gift to you and I. Christ is the ultimate gift that God could have ever given us. and Because Christ has come, we have hope. It's the gift of God, the gift of grace. Jesus has come to save us from our sins. COVID has changed our lives from the normal that we once used to know. Life is not the same. I'm not even sure that life is ever going to be the same again. And the reason that I I say that is I read an article this week by a, a committed Christian, a conservative Christian, an older Christian who's worked for the government, who's worked for some of the largest healthcare systems, who's worked for several presidents. He's a conservative, passionate follower of Jesus Christ. And yet he expressed dismay because of the breakdown of trust and hope in America. He recounts all the different epidemics and how they've responded to them with vaccines and treatments since the 50s where he's been involved in medical practice. And he says at the end, I don't know that we can expect it to get better or go back to normal because our nation has lost trust and hope in its politics. It's lost trust and hope in its media and its news gathering. It's lost trust and hope in its healthcare professionals. It's lost trust and hope in one another. And so there's been all of this consternation about how do we move forward during a COVID process and what's the right thing to do? People who have no background in medical training whatsoever have more influence sometimes through their blogs and through their their podcasts and their news interviews than do healthcare professionals who are working day and night researching this. And in the midst of all of this, this confusion, families have lost loved ones. People in our church have lost family members, sons, daughters, fathers, mothers. That's been the gamut for the last year and a half for me to run with people. I sat down this week with someone. They lost their very best friend, In their early 40s, I'm talking with someone in their 40s, and as we're sitting down and we're talking together, he's remembering with pain this person that loved Jesus but trying to help and trying to do the right thing and yet distrusting the healthcare system, refused the vaccine and came down and died within three days of receiving COVID. In his early 40s, someone healthy, someone strong, but one of those unfortunate people that caught it and as I watched him share, I asked him just simply, would you tell me about some of your good memories? And I watched the countenance of his, friend, of his face change as he told stories and laughed as he told stories and smiled about his friend and their friendship that they'd had for so long together. I have a friend right now. He's preached in this pulpit for me when I have been gone. He's a good friend, someone I've known for decades, and now he's suffering and in the hospital with COVID. And as I pray for him, I go all the way back remembering our good times and our laughter as I pray for him because hope remembers Hope remembers every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. You see, when I think of you, I'm giving thanks to God. When I think of something that hurts me, it causes me pain. And I may grieve, I I say, Lord, I need you to heal me of that. When I think of something that makes me angry, I may say, Lord, help me in my anger not to sin. But when I think of something and it brings me joy and I give thanks that I'm thanking God for I'm remembering. I hope I don't offend you with this illustration, but if you remember, and if you haven't read them, your children have read them, your grandchildren have read them, they've seen the movies, but if you remember in one of the movies, one of the stories, Harry Potter is in a battle for his life. And in this battle for his life, and he's there, and he's, he's fighting, he's growing weary, he's growing tired, and it looks like little Harry is going to be overcome. And suddenly, the memories of friends come back, and they're going, hang on, Harry, hold on, Harry. And his friends keep coming through. Finally, there's his mother and father saying, Harry, we love you. Harry, hold on. That's the gift of remembering in a very difficult time when we can remember those who loved us, prayed for us, stood by us. The Bible tells us that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, and revelation even reveals to us how they're praying for you and for me this morning. And that leads me to the second point, hope always prays. Hope always prays. Never stops praying, ceaseless praying. Praise while I work, praise while I play, praise when I wake up, praise when I go to sleep. Hope is always praying. Hope is just one of those abiding things that knows the character of God and the promises of God will not be denied to his people. So hope is always praying. My son was talking to me this week about his second son. And he was telling me, he says, Dad, he never gives up. When he's wanting something, when he's asking something, he, he, he just keeps coming back. He comes back in th- different forms. He comes back in different ways. He goes back and thinks about, how can I represent this? to Here's my little eight-year-old grandson already. How can I represent this? And I said, you know, shave that, but don't destroy that, because that's the kind of man that will know how to get a hold of God and pray and not give up. So he says, well, if that's the case, Dad, will you get this Christmas gift for him? <laughs> And, of course, Papa's going to do it. (laughs) You see, whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy. I pray that you're not just praying with sadness and sorrow, but that you remember the goodness of God so you can remember with joy. You can pray with joy. When I think about God's faithfulness, I pray with great joy. When I think about when our third son, Benjamin, was, was sick with the COVID virus, and it was so touch and go there for a while, and how just in the nick of time, we got the call about an infusion he could take. and You'll have to go 50 miles to get the infusion because it was new, and, and how he could barely move, but we got there and got the infusion, and the very next day, he's doing better, and he got stronger, and he recovered. And I pray with joy for those getting treatment. and Somebody called me that I've been praying for this week. says, Pastor, I got the infusion. It's amazing how much better I feel. I'm thankful, and I want those healthcare workers to know how grateful I am for their research, and I want them to know how grateful I am for being there when people are sick, and I want God to know I'm thankful for the gift of their labors, I'm thankful for the gifts of the results of the research, and I'm thankful for the gifts of healing that come. It's what moves us to pray with joy as we take time to think and then hope according to what paul wrote here it understands what really really matters what really matters i don't know what you're living for this morning i trust by your being here for this service you're living for the glory of god i trust by being here in this service that you love your family and that you're here today because you know what really matters occasionally in our church there have been numbers of people that have crossed the line Some were here in the first service some talk to me after the first service they got saved. They got, marri- they got married before they became a Christian, and they married someone that wasn't saved, and they pull against them in their faith, but they've persevered. They've remained faithful and loving to their husband or to their wife. But they understand that marriage really matters. They've not been like some people that's tried to spiritualize it and say, well, I want a Christian wife or a Christian husband, so I leave the marriage, and they, they go looking for a Christian. When God says, your marriage is sanctified... If you're married to an unbeliever, your marriage is sanctified. It's holy in God's sight. It really matters. Your children really matter. Your grandchildren matter. Your neighbor matters to God. I I worry, and and listen, when I say worry, I don't mean with doubt, but I worry sometimes. We're often so preoccupied with all the national news that goes on, all the world news that goes on, That we forget about what's happening in our block, in our subdivision, in our schools and in our neighborhoods. And then when something traumatic happens like happened at Oxford, it just comes way back home. There's not a lot I can do about what's happening in Moscow. There's not a lot I can do about what's happening in Johannesburg. There's not a lot I can do about what's happening in China. But I can do something about what's happening right here in my community. I can partner with people who are working in China or Nepal or Africa or Russia. I can partner with people to see something big happen there. But I have to understand what really matters is what God has put right around me. I want you to understand what really matters. Now, follow me on this because this is important. You see, Demas loved the world. But you need to, you're all familiar with that passage, I'm sure, the Bible, the Bible, Paul writes that very sad commentary. He says, Demas has forsaken me, having loved the world. But if you read your New Testament carefully, Paul mentions Demas quite a few times. Demas suffered trials. Demas suffered tribulations. Demas knew what it was to be attacked for the gospel. He began well. He was carrying his cross for the cause of Christ. He accompanied Paul, and yet there came a point where Demas, looking at everything, the comforts of the world, the pleasures of this world... Demas one day looked at the cross and said, you know what, it doesn't really matter to me. It doesn't really matter that what Jesus did for me at the cross, it doesn't matter that my sins are forgiven. What matters more to me is the comforts and the pleasures this world affords me. And Demas gave up what was eternal. Demas gave up what would give him life, not only hope for life now, but hope for eternity. Demas gave it up because he loved this transient world more and he abandoned the one Had led him to Christ. Hear me this morning. Would you forget what really matters? Then the attractions of this world, the attractions of things that would pull you away from Christ, they will capture your attention and they will steal your heart. And then, fourthly, we live with hope with our family because hope is pure. Hope is pure. I was in Paris years ago, and I met a lady who owned a beautiful perfume shop right there in the, I forget the name of the street, but as you've seen it in multiple pictures, bakeries, and I met her through the ministry that I was doing there. She invited me to her store, so I went to the store along with another friend and who drove me down there, and I was just taken with all the beautiful fragrances that are in there, and I remember asking her, Could I smell the pure stuff, the stuff that had not been diluted? And she just kind of laughed, and in that beautiful French-accented English, she says, oh, she says, you don't want to smell it. She says, it would overpower you. I think sometimes we forget how beautiful and how powerful purity really is. I think sometimes we forget how we take for things like pure drinking water, clean food we take that for granted I think now listen follow me carefully I think sometimes we forget how important it is the pure hearts of a mom and dad loving God loving each other and the influence they have on their children and their grandchildren and the people that live around them because people are attracted it may be overwhelming at times But people are attracted to purity. It's why Paul would go ahead and say, so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. Now, I don't know about you. Let me read that again. Matter of fact, it's on the screen. Read it out loud with me. So that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. One more time. So that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. I don't know about you, but that's really kind of intimidating to me i mean do you want to comfort me at christmas come and tell me he says you've got to be pure and blameless when christ returns i don't find any comfort in that i mean live pure and bl- i think about that for just a moment you think about jesus and how he forgave his enemies and how he lived his life and now you tell me i got to be pure and blameless like Christ. But there's good news here. Rather than see it as condemnation as I did as a new Christian, I want you to see the hope here. There's no hope of me living a pure and blameless life without coming to Christ each and every day and saying, Father, I have sinned. Will you please forgive me? This morning when I got dressed, no kidding, this morning I got dressed, I wanted to wear a different pair of shoes. I already had it in mind, thought it through what I was going to wear. I went to my closet, and the shoes weren't there. And I went, oh, yes, I remember I had to do a funeral this week. I had to stand in mud, and I pulled the shoes off because I didn't want to get the mud on my carpet, and I had a pair of other shoes in the trunk, and so I put them in the trunk of the car, and I forgot them. they have been sitting muddy in my car, and so I went out there, and they're caked in mud. Now, I'm not going to throw those shoes away. They're good shoes. I happen to like them. I'm not going to throw them away, but I am going to clean them up, and I am going to polish them. And when we come to Jesus and say, Lord, forgive us of our sins, he doesn't discard us. When we sin, he doesn't throw us away. He cleans us up, and he makes us pure and blameless, not because of our goodness, but because of the goodness of Jesus Christ. Isn't that good news? And that's what our children need to know. That's what our grandchildren need to know. Because all of us sin, all of us fall short of the glory of God. And the blessed hope is more blessed to me because of what Christ did at Calvary. Everyone, everyone who really believes this will try to stay pure because Christ is pure. Would you read this one out loud with me? Everyone who really believes this will try to stay pure because Christ is pure. One more time. Everyone who really believes this will try. Say that word try really loud. Will try. You didn't say it loud. Come on, help me. Everyone who believes this will really try. I don't know about you, but I find that to be true. I have to try. Years ago, I had never seen this store before. Becky and I were in a mall, and we're walking down a certain level of a mall in a certain city, and all of a sudden, we pass this store, beautiful pictures of ladies in their things they shouldn't have been in pictures of on the door, and I'm like, and Becky snatches me, and she says, keep your eyes on Jesus. I'm telling you, I, my heart's not filled with lust. I don't have a problem, with, but boy, did that catch my attention. And we were talking about that later, and I said, you well, know, it was just normal, but a uh, I said, boy, that's tough. When our boys got to be teenagers, sometimes I'd take them down the escalator when we went to visit that mall so we could bypass that store. When they got a little older, I said to them, what Becky said to me, keep your eyes on Jesus. And Christopher said to me, dad, you've got to admit, they're beautiful. You see, everyone tries to stay pure. There's a conflict. There's a warfare in this life. And we sometimes make mistakes and do things we wish we had never done. Which leads me to my last one, moms and dads and grandparents. Hope is patient. Because hope is built upon the character and the promises of God. Hope is patient. It's awfully hard to be patient when you're always complaining. It's awfully hard to be patient when you're always griping. It's awfully hard to be patient if you can't trust. It's like one little boy said to his mom, says, Mom, why don't the idiots only come out when Dad's driving? You know, I'd realize how badly I had sinned against my children when I hear them going, that was such a dumb, that was an idiot, right? Don't you agree, Dad? And I yeah, 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 you know? You see, hope is patient. I want you, would you bring me my box, Keith? I want you to imagine an imaginary conversation taking place in the Clanton home this week. I hope you still love me after this, but I don't know what you call this thing, but Becky bakes in it. But I want you to imagine that Becky's used this and she's baked in it, and we put it in an oven. She sets it at and. Something degrees, and she bakes in it and pulls it out of the oven. And then, next thing you know, it's put into the refrigerator or it's put into the freezer. And there'll be directions on top of it when she's gone of what I've got to do to cook it. So, I put it back in the oven or the microwave and I get it all hot and steamy again. And then I get what I want, and so I can eat it tomorrow. I put it back in the refrigerator or the freezer. Or if it's a certain holiday times, I put it in the garage so it'll stay cool in the garage if the freezer or refrigerator is full. And this pot is going, can't they make up their mind? Hot, cold, hot, cold. I go from a 300 something degree oven to a, a freezer below freezing. They can't make up their minds. They're just complaining. And all of a sudden, my toothbrush screams out from downstairs, what are you griping about? Do you know what I have to do when they're done with you? Do you know his teeth, his mouth? He brushes his tongue, what he pulls out from between his teeth. If you want to know who's got it tough, I've got it tough. I have to clean his mouth. And then all of a sudden, this guy says, wait a minute. Have you seen what I had to do? You see, we're always griping and complaining, and what we're doing is we're destroying hope. We're destroying the hope that our kids have, our families have, our grandchildren have, because God has put us here. Listen, God has put us here for such a time as this. God has put us here to go through this COVID crisis and to raise families, and to influence subdivisions and neighborhoods and communities, and do what we can to bless the world so that we raise children that if the Visigoths come, that if China comes, or for persecution like happening in the Middle East comes, that our children don't know parents who griped and gave up during the COVID crisis. But like those who came before us in the black plague, we know how to live with hope. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. Will you stand with me this morning? Hallelujah. Our Father in heaven, we thank you from the very bottom of our hearts for the peace and the hope and the joy that is ours in Christ. We thank you, Lord, this morning. Our hope is built not upon fantasies, wishful thinking. Our hope is not built, Lord, upon positive thinking. It's not built upon statistics. But Lord, our hope is built upon the character and the promises that you have made. So I'm asking you this morning, make us sons and daughters of hope. Make us mothers and fathers, grandmothers and grandfathers of hope. Make us a church of hope as we live between that first coming and your second coming, filled with the energy and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Baptize everyone, Lord, in your Spirit who seeks a fresh touch, fresh encouragement. Hear the prayer of everyone who says, Father, forgive me, for I have sinned. Lord, give us understanding of what really matters. And Lord Jesus, I pray that we will live with purity and confidence that Christ is coming again. For it's in your name I pray. While every head is bowed and every eye is closed for just a moment. I think I know almost everyone here this morning, but if you're watching at home and you haven't crossed the line to give your heart to Jesus, or if you're here today and you've never given your heart to Jesus, or maybe you like Demas, remember I talked about him a moment ago, you, you once, you suffered criticism, ostracism, people ridiculed you for your faith, but somehow or another you've let the comforts and the promises of this world capture your heart again my prayer is that you're going to be recaptured with a whole sense of wonder of this season one more time and I'm asking you to cross the line and surrender your heart and life to Jesus Christ and if you're ready to do that would you pray with me right now here in this sanctuary or you can do it at home just say Heavenly Father thank you for sending Jesus Christ not only to save me from my sins but to give me new life that I might live with hope based upon the character and the promises of God so as much as I know how I commit my heart and my life to you this morning for it's in Jesus name I pray amen amen and amen and if you did that i want to send you something so would you just email me at either prayer at woodland.church or info at woodland.church i will promise you i'll get it in the mail to you tomorrow and pastor Corey is going to come and he's going to tell you a little bit more about how we'd like to help you get started in your life for jesus but for the rest of you before you're seated may you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation may you always be filled with a confident hope and the character and the promises of god for this will bring praise and glory and honor to Jesus Christ and great blessing and benefit to your families as well. In Jesus' name. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. Mentioned. Um If you're watching online, email us at info at woodland.church, and we'd love to send it to you. If you're here and you prayed that prayer, just stop by the crossing and, and say, can I have that book? We'd be glad to give it to you. It'll help you in your next steps and help you understand a little bit more about the prayer that you prayed as well. Also, as you get ready to leave, don't forget to give today, whether it's electronically or if you're here and you have offering in your hands, um, place it into the offering baskets. Also, if you're giving to uh, Joyful Noise, make sure you mark on there Joyful Noise as well. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week. You're dismissed.